Genesis chapter number one. I know you have heard this, but I just want to say it again. That one of the greatest ways to study the Bible is to apply the principle or the law of first mention. When you read something for the very first time in the Bible, it's big. Because God sets a stage and there are certain characteristics that will be there every time that subject is mentioned. For instance, the first time you find the word love in the Bible is in Genesis 22. Abraham and Isaac going up the mountain. What a beautiful picture of the substitutionary death of Christ. <laughs> and no greater love hath a man than to lay down his life for sinners like us. The greatest definition and exposition of love was at the cross. And I like the words of Paul. If he died for one, he died for all. The love of God. For instance, the first time you read the word worship in the Bible is in Genesis 22. Abraham and Isaac going up the mountain. He's not offering God his best. He's offering God his all. And you and I will never enter into a realm of worship. God gets us all. For instance, the first time you read the word shield in the Bible is in Genesis 15. Abraham's made all those confederated kings mad and they've sent him a threat. We're going to come and wipe you and your little family off the face of the earth. God appeared unto him in that smoking furnace and that burning lamp and said, Fear not, I am thy shield, thy exceeding great reward. Abraham, I'm not just enough, I'm more than enough to take care of your need. Well, I want us to come to this text tonight, and we're going to meet somebody for the very first time. And what we see him doing the first time we meet him, he is still doing it tonight. Now before I read the text, let me ask you this question. How many agree with me that the greatest book that's ever been written is the Bible? Amen. How many would agree to me tonight that the greatest revelation that man has ever received is the revelation of God to mankind? Well, you know what amazes me about this text? God is going to write the greatest book ever been written. He is going to give the greatest revelation that's ever been given. And he's not even two complete verses into it till he introduces us to somebody for the very first time. And what he's doing the first time we meet him, he's still doing it tonight. And what he did the first time we meet him, we need it like we never have before, like we need it tonight. Let's read about it. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, by the way, I still believe that, Amen. created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And here it is. Say it with me. And the Spirit of God. 
I mean, God's not even written two complete verses in the greatest book ever been written. And immediately, He introduces us to the Holy Spirit. How many would agree tonight? If God introduces us to Him that quick in His book, it's real important that we get to know who He is. Why? Because later on he's going to say, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And notice what he is doing the first time he's mentioned or the first time we meet him. And the spirit of God, said the Lord with me, moved upon the face of the one. You know what the Holy Spirit was doing the first time we meet Him? Moving. And it's still moving tonight because He moved upon the earth. That initial moving of the Holy Spirit was so powerful, it set the whole world tonight in perpetual motion. This earth we're living on is in perpetual motion motion. You say, I don't believe it's moving. You get a good case of vertigo, praise God, it'll be moving. <laughs> but right now, air is moving through the atmosphere. Blood is pulsating through your body. The earth is spinning upon its axis. It is orbiting in space. Because God's power was so strong, the first time he moved on it, it's still in perpetual motion. And if God would move on us, we would cease to be moving. And what we need tonight is the moving of the Spirit of God. I love the Lord, the word moved in the text. The word picture is a mother hen. As she has spread her wings over her brood. And that fowl was created with small feathers that they could move at such a fast pace. It would cause a large mass of incubating air to hover, quiver, brood, move over her young. Oh, I'm glad one day the Holy Ghost. Begin to move. Begin to brew. Begin to breathe. To cause a warm mass of incubating air. The first time you meet the Holy Spirit, He's... And the earth has been moving ever since He... And you know what we need tonight like never before? So I say somebody open the window and let the wind blow. I'm glad tonight for the moving, the breath, the unction, the power, the spirit of the living God to move upon us again. Write this word down tonight, the word creation. How did the world get here? God breathed it into existence. 
While there was not a Nova over here and a Nova over there, and they read each other and bang, here it is. No, that ain't how it happened. A sovereign, holy, omniscient God breathed it into existence. And if God can breathe on a ball of dirt and make a beautiful world in which we live, what in the world could happen in our churches if that same breath and that same moving and that same spirit of God breathed on us again? God said, and the mountains appear. God said, and the oceans appear. He even said, and man appears. God reached down and got him some dirt. And for some of us, a whole lot of it. And made the shell of the form of a man. And brought him up real close and said, And he became a living soul. I've heard people say this, testified. I don't know what in the world the Lord saw in me to make him want to go to the cross and save me. I can. It was that never dying soul that was ignited by the breath of God, that eternal flame, the soul of man, that the whole world cannot match the value of. That's what it was. And I'm glad we're on this planet tonight because the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the Lord. Creation. The world got here because God into existence. Write this word down tonight. The incarnation. How did Jesus get here? And the Spirit of God That little virgin one night, the Holy Ghost said, I'm going to overshadow. It's the same word, to brood, to breathe. And she was a virgin. She was not just a young lady. She was a virgin. And the Holy Ghost and planted in her body the sinless seed of the eternal God of the ages. And nine months later, Christ is born. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And he's the holy, divine, impeccable, incomparable, righteous, precious, eternal son of the living God because he was breathed upon in the virgin womb. Praise God for the incarnation, the moving and the breath of the Holy Spirit. You know why a woman drops her last name? When she gets married, because her children, she will bear her husband, literally has his blood in their body. And ladies, that's not a bad deal. So when your kid does something stupid, you look at your husband and say, they're yours. Because when that female seed and that male seed are conceived, the blood inside comes from the male side of the conception. Can I remind you that 
Jesus had an earthly mother by the name of the Virgin Mary. But I want to tell you, you got a heavenly, eternal, sovereign, impeccable, sinless, eternal Father. And therefore, he's the Holy Son of God, the eternal Son of God. Therefore, the blood that pulsated through his veins was holy blood, perfect blood, pure blood, precious blood, permanent blood, eternal blood. Jesus got here because the Spirit of God moved and breathed. I believe he went to the cross and physically, clinically, died for our sin. There's a liberal theologian that says he lost so much blood that he fainted. And when he got in that cool tomb, he woke up. Can I say this as nice as I can? If you believe that, you're going to bust tail wide open. He literally, physically, clinically died for our sin. And they wrapped him up in grave clothes and placed him in the tomb and put a stone in front of the door. But early on Easter Sunday morning, that same breath, and up from the grave he arose with a mighty power over his foes and in us forever with his saints to reign. Hallelujah. Christ arose. The breath of God brought him out of that tomb. Boy, I was about to digest that the other day, and I read Romans 8, and it got better. It says because that same spirit that quickened Jesus from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies. What's going to happen one day across every cemetery on planet Earth? He'll move again. He'll breathe again. And they're coming out of that grave. Those men you mentioned are my heroes too. If you ever get an opportunity to go to Greenville, South Carolina, find Wade Hampton Boulevard, which is Highway 29. And right across the street up the road about 50 yards from Bob Jones, you'll find a large cemetery, the largest in the Greenville County area. And in that one cemetery alone, you'll find the remains of some interesting people. You go through the main gate, about 50 yards on the left up under a big tree, you'll find the remains of one of those men you mentioned, J. Harold Smith. You leave his grave about 50 yards over to the right on the curve, and you'll see the grave right beside of the road of Harvey Seitler, yes, founder of Tabernacle, yeah. Greenville, post office box four. <laughs> you leave his grave and come to a four-story high mausoleum, go to the first little road, turn to the right, four graves up, and you'll find the remains of Oliver B. Green. Yes, then you leave the mausoleum and go to the back part, to the new part, and lay it out there in a double wide grave, you'll find the remains of Billy Kelly. Yeah. You say, why is he in a double wide grave? Because he couldn't fit in a single one. <laughs> His name was William Churchful Kelly. Yeah. 
I asked him one time, I said, Brother Billy, why did your mama name you church fool? He said, son, when you weigh 400 pounds, there's a church full of people when you get <laughs> Brother Tom, I use a preacher, I got to thank you. Yeah. How would you like to be on that spot of real estate yeah. come resurrection morning? Yeah. Yeah. I got a wild imagination, can I use it? Here comes J. Harold Smith. Neighbor, I'm glad I didn't step over God's three deadline. Here comes Harold B. Silo, my famous chef. Bring your chariot. Let's ride and see the king. For my flesh shall rest in hope. Here comes Oliver Green. I told you it was by the grace of God. Then here comes Billy Kelly saying, and I'll meet you in the morning, and I'll not be a stranger. You say you've lost your mind. Will you come to hear me? I'm just telling you. I don't think the rapture's going to take place, and the dead in Christ is going to rise first. And that same spirit that got Jesus up, again, the saints up. Thank God for the moving and the bread and the power of the Spirit of God. Creation. Incarnation. Number three, write this word down. Inspiration. How did the world get here? God. How did Jesus get here? God. How did our Bible get here? some scripture, not partial scripture, not your favorite scripture, but all scripture is given by the omnustius, the exhaling breath of God. For holy men of old spake as they were by the Holy Spirit. I was preaching one night on the authority of Scripture, and a young man came up to me, and he said, Oh, Dr. Arthur, I endured that, but you are, are you referring to the originals? I said, I can't even spell that, man. He said, I know what you're talking about, the breath of God. Aren't you referring to the originals? I said, No, I'm referring to this. I said, Son, I don't know where any originals are, and I've never seen an original, and I may not be able to read one if I found one, but I got this one. He said, oh, Brother Arthur, how did these things be? I said, well, son, do you believe in revelation that God revealed himself? Oh, yes, sir. I said, do you believe in inspiration that God inspired the revelation? He said, absolutely. I said, well, son, a real fundamentalist goes beyond that. We go beyond revelation, and we go beyond inspiration, and we believe in preservation. That God has preserved the revelation with the inspiration. So therefore, it's not just the originals. This book that I hold in my hand tonight is real and powerful and authoritative because the Spirit of God breathed. Let me see if I can illustrate. I've not always lived in Atlanta. I was born and raised in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. And during the summer, my grandmother would do what she called put up stuff. Yeah. It might be strawberries, it might be blackberries. Yeah. 
When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord why he put them blackberries next to all them chiggers. Because yeah. <laughs> I went blackberry picking, I got more chigger bites than I did blackberry. Yeah. I'll tell you how bad a rednecks we were. We'd grow the watermelon and eat the watermelon, and Grandma would save the rind, and she would make watermelon rind preserve. Yeah. You said, that ain't no good. It is on a hot biscuit, praise God. Because yeah. here's why. About November for Thanksgiving, December for Christmas, maybe a little bit of family fun in January and February. I'm going to say, Grandmother, I sure would love to have some blackberries. I sure would love to have some blueberries. I sure would have some watermelon rind preserves. She didn't say, well, go out there and pick you some, son. Because they're not growing out on the vines in November and December and January and February. But she said, oh, honey, is that what you really want? I can take care of that. And she'll come back in now with a jar. Now, some of y'all skin people use the jar for preserving something else, but not preserving. That barge bootlegging crowd. Boy, she'll come in there with that jar, and it's got a seal on it. Man, it is so tight that when she opens it, it pops and peels that little rubber seal off. Spoon. Who needs a spoon? Run her fingers down in that jar, pull out that stuff, and you know what was in there? Blackberries. Blueberries, strawberries, they look like blackberries, they tasted like blackberries, they smelled like blackberries, because they were blackberries, but it was more than blackberries and strawberries, it was the same blackberries, and the same strawberries, and the same one another ride, it's the same stuff she put in the jar, because it's preserved, it's original, if you hold a King James Bible in your hand tonight, it's original, I run a rabbit if I hurt. If I didn't believe that, I'd quit preaching. We had a family visit our church the other day from one of the longest standing independent Baptist churches on our side of town. They got a new preacher. And he brought a man in his church from some cemetery. I didn't mispronounce the word. Got up there and told the men in his church that were 8,000 mistakes in the King James Bible. Nobody, some whippersnapper may swallow that. But some old time saint full of the Holy Ghost, they about to swallow that. People that can sit in churches like that, that bothers me, man. That old man raised his hand. He said, sir, I got a question. He said, what is it? He said, well, you pointed out, you think, there's 8,000 mistakes in this. How many mistakes is in that other stuff you're wanting us to use? I refuse to answer your question. I'm going to tell you, that's no question. Ain't no answer for such ignorance as that. So he came to our church 
He said, Preacher, I'm trying to find a church to tithe to that still preaches the King James from the pulpit to the nursery. I said, Come on in. Yeah. And without apology, what in the world could get in some preacher's mind to bring somebody in his church and tell his people there's mistake? God didn't call us to derive the Bible, to deny the Bible, to pin off the Bible, to weaken the Bible. He called us to preach and declare and lift high and set the standard. I'm glad we got the. I'm about to preach myself to death. I'm glad we've got the Word of God tonight, and it's holy, and it's pure, it's eternal, and it's true, because God breathed. Man, I'm having fun. Let's do a little experiment. Hold your Bible in this hand. Use this hand. And in a minute, I'm going to tell you to turn in your Bible. And it don't make no difference where you turn because wherever you land is good. Yeah. I want you to listen to me, one of the most beautiful sounds on planet Earth. You ready? Turn. Oh. I like that. Woo! <laughs> I like that. You know what that sounds like to me? Yeah. Back during the summer, it got a little dry, and the leaves got a little dry, yeah. and all of a sudden, a little gray cloud began to form, yeah. and a little breeze yeah. began to blow, and then yeah. leaves started tapping one another, saying, it's about to rain, it's about to yeah. rain, because I'm telling you the Bible, it's the only book that I know of. When you open it, the wind blows, yeah. the rain comes, yeah. the voice of God speaks. Yeah. I'm glad tonight we got a book called God breathed and moved and inspired with the breath of the Holy Spirit. Creation. Incarnation. Inspiration. Now before I write this word down, regeneration. How did the Bible get here? God breathed it. How did the world get here? God breathed it. How did Jesus Christ get here? God breathed it. Mm-hmm. How did you and I tonight get to this place with our sins forgiven and our past erased and our names written in heaven? Praise God. We got regenerated because the Spirit of God breathed and moved upon us. Look in verse number two. You want to see a beautiful picture of before and after effect? The first part of verse 2 paints a vivid, clear picture of before. Without form. Darkness. And void. You know what your life and mine was before Christ came? Without form. No boundaries, no purpose, no vision. Brother, you talk about empty. Boy in darkness. Conceived in darkness, born in darkness, lived in darkness, and would have died in darkness and went to a place called hell. And the Bible calls it out of darkness. Oh, but that earth that was with that form and empty 
darkness now has boundaries and borders and full of great and wonderful things and a light that shines in the day and even a light that shines in the night because the Spirit of God breathed and moved upon the face of the deep. That's what happened to you when you got saved. You were with that form. Your life was empty and you was in darkness. But praise God, the Holy Ghost got a hold of you and breathed upon you and moved upon you and you did more than join the church. You got regenerated. I was preaching another day in a little town I grew up in and I met this preacher. We were in senior class together and I said, uh, you remember our science teacher and I called his name. I said, how's he doing? He said, Joe, that old goat is still alive and well. Man, he found out I was a young preacher. He leaned in on me with that evolution thing. I don't believe that. And I, I'll tell you, he, he talked about this missing link. And I knew better. But I did get shaken one night at a PTA meeting. I saw his wife and I thought, dear God. If there is such a thing as a Lincoln beast, it is her. That woman invented ugly. That woman makes Tom Neal look beautiful. But I remember in science class one day he talked about three kingdoms. Plant kingdom, animal kingdom, man's kingdom. And you know what he told me? He said each entity is trapped in its own kingdom. In other words, a plant can't become an animal, an animal can't become a man because every, every entity is trapped in its own kingdom. Well, my daddy taught me about another kingdom called the kingdom of God. But I didn't get all that excited about it because I figured every entity is trapped in its own kingdom. I figured if a plant can't become an animal, an animal can't become a man, a man can't lift himself and become into the kingdom of God. But Mr. Butler said something real interesting one day. He said they're studying the process of regening. He said somehow if we could regene the plant and make it an animal. And regene the animal and make it a man. Whoa! Then it hit me. Oh, that's how I got elevated, translated. I like his word, plucked up, <laughs> delivered out of my kingdom. I got regimed. I got regenerated. I got born again. I'm glad. Hallelujah. We've got eternal life because an eternal spirit has regenerated us. He has placed in you the very life of God himself. Amen. Amen. Creation. Incarnation, regeneration, inspiration. And I preached all night to get to number five. Dedication. Dedication. And at least tonight it was absolutely impossible for a world to get here without God's Holy Spirit moving. How many believes tonight it was impossible to have a virgin born son into this world? 
without the Spirit of God moving. I believe tonight it's impossible for you and I to have a perfect eternal book without the Spirit of God moving. I believe it's impossible for a sinner to be saved apart from the moving and the working. God's grace in his life. Well, can I give you another impossibility that goes right along with that? People like you and I live in a holy, separated, dedicated life that honors God and influences others. It's absolutely impossible without the moving of the Holy Spirit. What this man preached on tonight, that's what we got to have. He, he, he made a good analogy. He said, the ump. I had one of the young fellows come to me a while back. He said, at the camp meeting, Brother Arthur, why do you always talk about the dead preachers? I said, well, when I see a live preacher I'm impressed with, we'll talk about him. <laughs> and he said, well, Brother Arthur, I don't get it. What did them old dead preachers have that so impressed you? I said, son, I could tell you, but you wouldn't understand it. I said, they were hooked up. Yes. He said, to what? <laughs> he said, were they on something? <laughs> they was on someone? Yes. I'm going to tell you what made Hiram Sattler an exceptional preacher. He believed in the spirit-filled life. Let me tell you what made Jack Howes the man of God he was. He believed in the spirit-filled life. Yes. I sat there in pastor school and heard him preach on the spirit-filled life. An ordinary man and makes him an ordinary when God breathes upon him and moves yes. upon him and exercises the breath of God upon him. I was preaching in your city, Jacksonville, Florida, about 18 years ago. And I was preaching one, and it wasn't at this church. I was preaching at a church and I preached on the spirit filled life. And I made the pastor mad. Right there doing my preaching. And just let me say this. If my preaching makes you mad, you are definitely postosis. <laughs> my preaching makes you mad, you are definitely a cupcake. You would have died under other preaching. You could have took my daddy. And I could tell I made him mad. Well, the next morning at 4.30, he picks me up to the airport, and the ride from the hotel to the airport was quiet. You could cut it with a knife. I got ready to get out. He said, oh, by the way, Dr. Arthur, before you get out, I just want you to know, I don't believe one word of what you preached last night. And I said, well, I want you to know before I get out of this car, I believe it enough for me and you both. Yeah. That's about as mean as I get. I said, I want you to know I believe it enough for me and you both. He said, oh, I've heard all in Jack Howe's sermons about praying on his daddy's grave until the power came and looking at his daddy's picture to the power. I 
just want you to know I don't believe none of that. I said, son, my mama got a hold of me before you did. Amen. Amen. And I said, son, I believe it enough for me and you both. And I said, before I get out of your car, let me take one more parting shot. If you don't want your blessing, send her down my way. If you don't want your anointing, send it down my way. Because if we're going to have revival again and see God work again, we got to get beyond our plans and our programs and our ideas and get under this path where the glory runs out. On us again. John 20, 21. Jesus has conquered death and hell in the grave. He has stopped by the upper room. And he didn't even ring the door. He just walked in. And gave him peace. First thing he said, peace. He said, why did he do that? He probably scared the devil of him when he walked in that room. <laughs> Peace! And he gave him a plan. As the father sent me, get out of here, boys. So said that you. But before he walked out of that little room, he got that little band of failures, fumblers, he said, come here, boys, real close. So I'm going to give you more than peace. I'm going to give you more than a plan. Come here, baby. He got them around him. And your King James Bible said, and he. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Prayed on them. Hey. Yes. Said, receive you the Holy Ghost. Yes. And those 12 ordinary, plain old men Walked out of that upper room yes, sir. under the influence yes, sir. of the breath of God yes. and the world has never been the same. Amen. We're having church tonight that caused what happened in that upper room. Christianity has pervaded the four corners of the earth that caused what happened in that upper room. The world has never been the same when those 11 men walked out of that room under the breath of the moving of the Spirit of God. Here's my sermon and I'm done. If God can breathe on 11 failures, and they walk out of a little room and turn the world upside down. There's more than 11 people in this room. There's more than 11 people in every section of this tabernacle. And if he can breathe on 11. You say, why not 12? Judas is hung out. 11. He breathed on 11 failures. Plain old people. Like you and me. And the world has never been the same. God can breathe on 11 men and the world will never be the same. I believe he breathed on my church, my city would never be the same. He breathed on our lives. I love what this dear man of God said. Thank you for saying it. I'm too young. Nobody won't listen to me. 
I'll be so glad when I get old. Maybe they'll listen to what I'm saying. But they listen to guys like y'all. Don't give up on your church. Don't give up on your city. Don't give up on your calling. Because God is still. Let me give you this and I'm done. I'm going to try not to run when I give you this. That passage I quoted where it said, Holy men of old speak as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They say the word picture there is a ship sailing through the ocean <coughs> headed to the other side. And it's not rolling. It doesn't have a motor. It has lifted its sail. And there is a breeze in its sail that's carrying that ship through uncharted territory. Yes, sir. Hold them in a bowl speck as they were. Chartered. Yes. Yes. Moved along. Went through uncharted territory when God breathed on them. And how's the church of Jesus Christ going to survive the waters of compromise and make it to the other side? Lift your sails. Catch a breeze from another country. Sing like the songwriter. Breathe on me. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Amen.